Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 7. Welcome, welcome. And today, just to start off with, we are bringing our first non-engineer to our chat for our STEM fam of the week. We've talked about three engineers in the past, so we thought, you know, STEM being super inclusive, let us bring a different field of STEM today. And today we have Katherine Johnson. She was born in 1918 and she was an American mathematician whose calculations in orbital mechanics in NASA was critical to the success of America's first and subsequent crewed space flights. Yeah, so pretty much pivotal to all our space expeditions to date. How amazing is that? Yeah, um, African-American heritage in 1918, super, super tough times. Uh, She had a bit of um, trouble, I think, growing up and getting into school. And I think uh, when she was getting into tertiary education, um, it was only because of the University of West Virginia's president, Dr. John W. Davis at the time, that she was able to become one of three, only three African-American students and also notably the only woman who was selected to join the graduate school after a ruling that was made by the U.S. Supreme Court at the time, that was 1938, um, which allowed the provision of public higher education, uh, which had only been like you know provided to white students at the time, but uh, wherever they were providing it to white students, they would have to provide it to black students as well. So that was done by either establishing black colleges and universities or by admitting black students to previously white-only universities. Yeah, she was obviously breaking barriers and even at work, She used the bathroom that was only designed to white women. So back in the day, racism was a big thing. And she was just saying, nah, I'm not going to get any of this. I'm going to go against it. (laughs) Again, uh, in the the theme of all the women we've already talked about, going against the grain, common theme. So good. (laughs) So she worked in NASA for 33 years, even when it was called NACA, National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. She earned a reputation for mastering very complicated manual calculations and pioneered the use of computers to to perform tasks. She calculated trajectories, launch windows, emergency return paths for the first sped flights like the Apollo 11 mission in 1967 to the moon. And these were important for the beginning of the space shuttle program. Like all this, all these calculations and stuff, they were doing pre-computers. So literally her and the lady she worked with were known as like the human computers, which is absolutely insane. And um, her historical role uh, as one of the first African-American women to work as a NASA scientist was recognized by the space agency. And in 2015, she was also given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama. Love Barack Obama. <laughs> she also received the Silver Snoopy Award by NASA um, and also a NASA Group Achievement Award. And then finally, the Congressional Gold Medal by the United States Congress. But yeah, super inspiring story and, you know, beacon for so many young girls who have entered this industry in the future since. Catherine died on February 24 in 2020, so it wasn't that long ago, and she died at the age of 101. And in her honor, NASA had dedicated the Catherine G. Johnson Computational Research Facility at the Langley Research Center to commemorate the hard work she did to help take them to the stars. And now into the episode. So let's get into um, today's subject. We're talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of you can probably relate. Yeah, actually, it's 
very common and I feel like there's a lot of people that are becoming more aware with it and like identifying that it's actually a syndrome. Even like famous or like celebrities or business owners have come about saying that they have this problem and I think it's so important for people to to, to have that sense of community because unfortunately what happens with and we'll get into it later people with this they feel like they have to bottle it up and just keep it inside yeah exactly no one really talks about it and I feel like um, the more you talk about it the more it helps overcome it yeah so we're getting into it without even introducing it (laughs) so what is imposter syndrome well it says that it's pretty much defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. So a lot of people, when they have actually accomplished something in the personal or professional life, uh, the first thought that they have is like, I don't deserve this. So it was actually a term uh, first used by psychologists Susan Imes and Susanna Imes, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Susanna Imes <laughs> and Pauline Rose Clan. Let's leave the names for Sokan. <laughs> In the 1970s, when the concept of imposter syndrome was introduced, it was originally thought to apply mostly to high achieving women. Interesting, right? Yeah. But it's actually like widely experienced by everyone, regardless of the gender. Yeah, so like even though like we have said like okay, it does affect many high achieving people who find it very very difficult to accept their accomplishments and you know, just feel like they're a fraud, but um like this has two sides to it. So uh, it can either push them to work incredibly hard so that no one calls out their, you know, fraud and um their bluff. But it can also end up being on the other side of the spectrum. It can be quite debilitating. So it can cause stress, anxiety, depression. And if it, that's if it's left untreated. And it can also cause people to not pursue better roles for fear of being called out. But in saying that, it's not a fear of failure. Even though it can be debilitating, it's not the fear of failing that's debilitating. We Probably to clarify that. It's actually just a fear that you're not actually capable of the position you're in now. And somebody will find out eventually that... or almost immediately. <laughs> and I think a good example of this is like when women... Um, in engineering or in any male-dominated industry, finance, law, whatever, uh, they go to a meeting and they see themselves as being like the only female in the room, then obviously they're going to feel like an imposter because they don't see like, you know, they don't see anyone that actually like looks like them or they don't have any representation on the table. So those thoughts are more likely to be, I guess activated and the more likely that is for them to feel like they don't deserve to be there and maybe that's why like initially they thought high achieving women had it because you know they were more susceptible to that because they were new in the workforce and uh they hadn't been allowed to be doing that so if they had gotten to that role and managed to achieve something like that it was like oh my god i'm such a fraud how did i end up here yeah exactly i was listening to an interview of winneth patro and she was actually sharing that when she become an entrepreneur or like a business owner, uh, one of her like biggest fears was the fact that she was a blown female jumping into a meeting room with all these men that obviously didn't think that she was capable of running the show. Obviously now we have seen that she's become a very successful business owner and that, well, her brand is like killing it in her own way. 
Um, and yeah, she was just saying how uncomfortable she felt the first time that she went to a business meeting and she wasn't actually really sure about what she, she was talking about in front of all these men that have probably been doing what they were doing for years. But instead of using it as a limitation or as a pity party for herself, she actually used that to learn and develop her skills in like business and entrepreneurship entrepreneurship thank you it's a hard word uh further yeah so she actually overcame that by just pushing herself a little bit more instead of just like sitting and feeling sorry for herself yeah and that is one of the ways to you know uh, work through it and a lot of these high achievers do that but um in back to the definition i think um sometimes what happens it can overlap a lot with social anxiety Um, as in social anxiety if people go through that can also fuel the feelings of imposter syndrome although in saying that they're not like um, they don't necessarily have to occur together so that means that they can exist without each other and people with imposter syndrome can have actually no issues with social anxiety at all but also the opposite is true you can have social anxiety and not feel like an imposter so they can be related but also not really but just any of the listeners having social anxiety we get you what are the different types of imposter syndrome because apparently there's a few types which i was not aware so we have the perfectionists which are people who feel like are never satisfied with what they do and are constantly believing that they can do better than what they've done so they don't actually take time to sit down and be like wow that was really good well done instead they are like ah you could have done better like it's not good enough so they actually focus on the flaws mainly and not their strengths this increases pressure and anxiety the next one are the superheroes so they are the ones that really push themselves like above and beyond and like take on many things like try to highest highest level of achievement because they just feel completely inadequate and then we have the expert uh underrate themselves even though they are usually highly skilled always try to learn more and more because they feel like their level of understanding is inadequate yep and then we have the natural genius who is always setting setting very lofty goals uh for themselves and they like um get really crushed immediately like if they start something new and they don't immediately succeed it's actually like they're just put off because they feel like they need to be naturally very good at everything so then we have the soloist who prefer to work alone they are very individualistic and their self-worth stems from their productivity so they reject offers of help and they actually believe incompetent if they ask for help which is really strange it is really strange because i was listening to like this um podcast with uh simon sinek and he was talking about how when you don't ask for help you're doing a disservice to the other person because trust is built when people ask for help not when you offer help because that's an act of service that person provides but you're also putting yourself in a very vulnerable space and showing that person you trust them enough to help you out of this so like when you ask for help is way better like than in a position when you're offering help it doesn't provide that same um release of oxytocin or even build that same strength of relationship than when you tell someone look i'm having trouble with this help me out and i think the reason why is because you have to be vulnerable with the other person but he was saying it's almost selfish to not ask for help because you're just thinking of it from your perspective and just it's all about you kind of thing i was like oh. and i sort of get that because we get a like really in our head in the, the moment we 
we want to ask for help. We're like, oh, wow, people are going to think about ourselves. What if we are perceived as incompetent or I should actually know this victim mindset, which is not good. Like that's literally me. So I feel quite attacked. <laughs> I always get stressed out and I feel like I shouldn't ask for help because I should know this or whatever. So, yeah. Now that we know the different types of imposter syndrome, I think it's important to get through like, why does this actually come about in people? Why does, yes, why do some people have it and some people don't have to worry about it at all? So some early research on imposter syndrome found that it was attributed to a number of things. So they thought that it was, you know, family dynamics or gender that contributed to having this or not. But since then, looking into like the fact that it's not just prevalent in women and people of a certain type of family dynamic, they found that it can occur in people regardless of the gender, their background and their age. So there's a few contributing factors to develop an imposter syndrome, if that's what we want to call it, and if we want to treat it as a disease. (laughs) It's not officially recognized as a mental health disorder, though. Obviously, your family upbringing, as we know, our childhood and the way we were raised has a big contribution to everything we do in our life. So um, controlling and overprotective parenting styles or where high value was given to achievement and they swap between praise and criticism. Well, it's like, for example, if your parents were like, um, you have to wash the dishes before you go out. They are pretty much telling you what to do. And if you don't do that, then there is a punishment for that. So that doesn't actually let you develop a sense of independence or doesn't let you develop a sense of being able to make decisions being able to yeah just decide for yourself what's right or wrong you do it how i tell you to do it kind of exactly it's like you are just doing it because you were told so and then you know that the reward to that action is going to be going out for like i don't know for fun or whatever it is or like even like if you don't actually pass this exam you're going to be punished so i guess what i was saying is that when you yeah when you're growing up i feel like there's so many like different obviously parenting styles And sometimes our parents tend to tell us what to do because we have to do it and and we tend to do those things so we don't disappoint them. By doing that, they have taken a little bit of our autonomy away from us because we're only doing it because we can actually get awarded from that or there's a benefit for us to do that. The problem with that is that that also generates a lot of like people-pleasing tendencies and it also generates a lot of like just self-doubt in the things that we do. We constantly feel like if we don't get a reward or if we don't get like an instant gratification out of it, we are not doing it well or, or we are not actually worthy or we don't deserve anything of what we have done. So I guess if people have been exposed to that type of parenting or that type of conditioning, they are always going to try to people please or they are always going to be second guessing whether what they did was the right thing or it wasn't. Uh, And they're always going to feel that level of inadequacy. Um, Yeah, that was firstly installed by just not having that autonomy. Which is actually pretty interesting because I feel like none of our parents actually wanted to do that for us. 
No, they were just trying to do like well, well and keep you away from like messing things up kind of deal because they kind of can't see the end product end goal. So that is yeah found so very controlling and overprotective parenting styles have been found to be a contributing factor to imposter syndrome. But even not just that, even where you know family dynamics where there's not enough support provided to the child and a lot of conflict in the family, like high conflict, low support, also a contributing factor. So definitely family upbringing and what you've been through growing up plays like a big role in whether or not kid uh, people later on in life have been found to have this problem. Another reason would be new work or school opportunities. So when we are under pressure to succeed in like new environments and we are not very sure or aren't really experienced on what we're doing, then we are more likely to develop or like to feel uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, and this goes back to your Gwyneth Paltrow example. She was in a new situation, didn't feel like she had the right expertise. So you just feel like you're going to get called out. And it's funny because I feel like as a young professional, this could happen a lot. Like you just step into the industry, you just finish your your university and... In reality, if you think about it, university is nothing like the real world. And there's so many different things that you are probably going to step into. That you, yeah, exactly, you feel like you don't belong. You're constantly like second guessing yourself. And it's very different from the environment that you were accustomed that was like, no, I can like work independently. Like, I can just, I know what I can contribute to my team. Um, when doing like a group assignment or things like that so it's a pretty normal thing to feel when you just start a job in the industry or when you start a new job like a promotion you i i've heard a lot of people that say like yeah i was giving this promotion but i don't think i deserve it and it's so funny because the only reason why that promotion was available to you was because you have the skills to fulfill that job so you should own it but Anyway, it's actually estimated that 70% of people will experience at least one episode of imposter syndrome in their lifetime. Yeah, that's a really high percentage. And it's good that a lot of even like, you know, superstars or whatever are talking about it because it makes you feel like you are supported. You're not going through it alone and you know how to mitigate the issue and work about it. Yeah, work around it. Yeah. And the third thing that they've found um, that contributes to imposter syndrome is personality types. So like we talked about the different um, types of um, imposter syndrome and a common like thing trait, I suppose, that you could find between these um, types is that there's certain personality traits that you'd see in people who exhibit that behavior, right? People with high perfectionism. um, So, you know, love to do everything completely perfect, um, which can, again, We'll get more into how that's debilitating in and of itself. But also people with a low self-belief that they can uh, control their own motivation, behavior and social environment or even have like the capacity to do a task or a role. I think my understanding, so when I look at that, is that people who have a low yeah, self-belief in general, but also because this like... another way imposter syndrome can manifest itself is that in like social environments you feel like there's like a perfect way to say something or a perfect way to interact with someone so that if you're not doing that you're like caught out people will figure out you're a fraud kind of thing so if they feel like they they don't have the again capacity 
to do well in a like a social environment and say their job description demands doing that then that's one of the aspects where they feel like they will have no control over that and they'll kind of fail yeah with this type of issues like imposter syndrome or or with being anxious or those days that when you're feeling really down and and you're not enjoying life that much I feel like it's important to acknowledge that that is always going to be there because as we have mentioned in the past, life is about contrasts and we have to appreciate that to also enjoy the good aspect of like feeling super confident, feeling super high up and just feeling like you're killing it. I don't think there's going to be a point in our life when we don't have these feelings these negative sad feelings because then everything would be perfect and there wouldn't be anything and i wanted to say that because i think like if you're having that feeling it means you're putting yourself in a situation where you have to grow yeah you're in you're now in a new role in a new um you know position at work or whether it's at home or in a new relationship where you feel like there's a certain amount of leveling up to do yeah 100 and as long as you have that's that's progress in life you know and it, i'm not saying oh you need to like you know stick with that and always feel like a fraud no obviously not you need to look back but if you're like they say if you're not scared if your dreams don't scare you whether or not you can actually do it then they're not big enough yeah exactly and i feel like okay maybe we can see this imposter syndrome as a, a like a new level unlocked and just like in this story that i shared earlier maybe when we step into that meeting room and we have just started this journey and we have no idea what it takes you know to to get to the final destination then we can take this imposter syndrome as like okay this feeling is going to be helpful for me to get more knowledge get more confident and be more prepared but before we get there we need to know what symptoms are we having how do i know if i'm having imposter syndrome the first one is you would have an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills when people tell you you know you're good at that or you've achieved so much in life it doesn't register well you feel like it was a stroke of luck or like it, it somehow wasn't you and you were bluffing people yeah you like attribute your success to external factors and i feel like a lot of these symptoms is like you were being delirious if i'm not even joking in the sense of like you're actually not being realistic you are saying all these things that if you were to prove or like with fact proof i hate saying the f-a-c-t word because it sounds like i'm saying other things but anyway so it's like if you were to fact check they would probably be like nah actually this is not true and it's almost like in when you're looking back you're kind of discounting one of the biggest factors in the in the success of the task let's say for example passing uni it's almost like you're pretending you weren't a part of the equation but you were like you were literally one of the factors of the success the ingredients one of the main ingredients to that potion like you can't pretend you weren't there you know yeah so another of the symptoms would be berating your performance just always being like no like performance is shit it's not good i'm not you know not doing enough. yeah yeah and then a fear that you won't live up to expectations of 
either like yourself or or a certain level or bar that you're setting in your head that's definitely a and symptom. then this is another one that links up to what we were talking about our conditioning so if you were brought up by parents that were highly strict with you and they had very high expectations of you, then this is probably something that you face often. <laughs> and the fear of not living up to expectations can lead to an outcome, but also a symptom. Like it's kind of both. It's the chicken and the egg. It's overachieving. Uh, so a feeling that you need to overachieve makes you, well, overachieve. So Well, you're like pretty much seeking validation. That comes into like self-doubt, having lots of self-doubt, which ends up sabotaging your own success. So that's another symptom. Which is actually a big one. So how many times have you done something that is actually impressive, that you have actually worked really hard for, and then instead of sitting down and giving yourself a big congratulations, you're like yeah but this other thing happened this week and that was just the worst like you can't like you actually consciously focus on the negative thing that happened that day that week that minute and you don't give yourself the credit that you should when you have achieved such a massive milestone or whatever it is like even if you presented really well uh, a pitch to a client i don't know or, or like an investor whatever like you have to sit down and be like no, right now is not the time to focus on the negative thing. I have to congratulate myself because that's another thing that doesn't allow us to continue, I guess. Yeah, and even if it's not celebrating it internally, it's allowing other people to celebrate it around you because one of the big ways we talked about imposter syndrome leading to self-sabotage is you don't aim for higher like you literally don't put yourself out there for a better role or a better position because you feel like you don't deserve it you feel like you're not good enough when if you had appreciated the success of whatever you've done or even accepted that you were a part of it and you've learned enough to be able to do that then you'll be like yeah i need that promotion or not i need it but like sort of need it not in the financial aspect of it but in the challenging of like the intellect part of it mm-hmm. like just to continue growing and ex- like expand yeah. your professional career blocking your own success if you don't appreciate your work up until now yeah you're like limiting yourself so these are all symptoms of imposter syndrome and as Sohan said that it was estimated that 70% of people will experience it at least once in their life so please please pay attention to it seek help no i'm kidding no definitely like it can come to a point where you if you need the help if it's getting to that point get the help yeah Yeah. or what you could do is let's talk about it i love this so yeah so there's all these symptoms that if yeah it's a good way if you can like you know quiz yourself and check do you have these things good way to know if you're having imposter syndrome yeah take a minute yeah hold up write things down come back to us we would appreciate that to be honest it would help a lot more than you'd know so definitely pros and cons um but like why the hype what's good and what's bad because i think a lot of the way it's framed is oh it's completely bad but it doesn't have to be there's pros and cons to everything and it's about perspective yeah and especially i feel like a lot of people use these like oh women covered therefore they are not in the industry it's like no no that's not everything we all have it regardless of agenda 
Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, we were doing some reading earlier today uh, when we were trying to figure out how we're going to put this up. Doctors with imposter syndrome were found to actually like listen more to their patients, uh, really like think about what they've done, but behave more with increased empathy, which led to better performance in their role. So it's not always a bad thing if they have it. Probably because they're just like, I don't know, thinking more retrospectively, but also more um, conscious of their actions but more sensitive to the other person's needs i don't know so it can result in you know like i guess increased success because you're like trying to strive for better and not ever getting complacent in essence so that, that there can be a positive to this if you're looking for it to me when talking about self-criticism and just self-assessment if you want to see it that way i think the key element is having a good relationship with your self-critic so if you see it as that voice that is inside your head that is preventing you from a hurting yourself b putting yourself into a situation that you wouldn't want to be in like not growing not evolving uh if you know like you can give more and for some reason you aren't because you're stuck and stagnant in this situation in your life if you understand that that voice is trying to prevent you from being there then you can approach it as as your best friend then you wouldn't be afraid of this voice of this criticism of this why haven't you done this and i think this is very applicable to any aspect in our life if that voice that is talking to you saying why didn't you get up today and went for a walk it's not that it's calling you a lazy person it's that it's worrying about the fact that you haven't actually walked on that day or being active that much and it's not good for your health so if you approach it in the same sort of like sense then the whole imposter syndrome is helping you as we said before get more knowledge about the area that you are not really sure about so you then are very competent and you deliver excellence in what you do but if you just solely focus in the sense of like oh my god i'm never gonna be able to make it then as have as we have always said like what you focus on expands and this thought patterning of not being good enough of not knowing enough is not is probably going to put you in a really deep hole and you're not going to be able to get out of there and then all the opportunities all the good opportunities like the i don't know the job promotion or the trip to a conference all of these things are going to pass by some other people that are more willing to just challenge themselves are going to take them and then you're going to miss out because you were blocking yourself and like blocking all these blessings from from yourself yeah from coming to you and that's the thing like um i think what like what the way you said if you use it as fuel and i'm i'm sure because we see this a lot in high achieving people i'm sure they use it as fuel like you know a fear of being called out as a fraud has led to a lot of them you know trying to become competent in that field and that's pretty amazing but unfortunately what happens with imposter syndrome is that it doesn't matter how much experience they've racked up or how much competency they've actually displayed it actually does nothing to alleviate this like 
there's no amount of looking back that can change their belief that they're competent and it's so funny because even people like I was watching the new documentary uh, David Letterman he was interviewing Billie Eilish and Billie Eilish you know like she's pretty young and she was saying that she actually experienced imposter syndrome and she was saying that when she you know i don't know if you guys have seen the photo of her holding all the grammy awards that she got which is massive for like a 19 year old or however how how old she was at the time i'm not sure but she was saying that the moment when she was holding all these awards all she could think about was if i got these awards that means that anyone can and i was like oh my god like seriously like that's insane like i don't think the the way even like the interview with her and her brother Phineas when they're like probably the most attentive to detail people that i've i don't know i've seen this week because <laughs> i don't know how about tomorrow that's the thing it just makes you put down all your achievements even if it's something like winning grammys is like one of the highest awards in music so to achieve that many at such a young age maybe anyone could do it i don't know but it's definitely a downplaying the the creative it's just crazy to hear that people that are truly successful and that are like really talented and deserve to be where they are because of how hard they work it's funny to see that they think that they they are not competent enough or or that they are not knowledgeable enough like this is people that like I think it takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work to to achieve whatever she's achieved. Like, I don't know her life from the back of my hand, um, but it was just so surprising to hear that a big um, artist like her, she felt like this, especially from, like, watching her trajectory in the little things that I've watched. Like, she became famous super quickly, and, yeah, it's crazy. I like that you talk about Billie Eilish because we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, a few famous people who have had this, amazing leaders and performers. And scientists. Yeah, themselves. who we look up to. And it's just like, it goes to show, yeah, you're not alone. Um, but there are so many people in this list who have gone through this, but they've achieved a lot of things and still gone through this. So for anyone going through this, you're not actually a fraud because none of these people, I don't think by any mile would we call them a fraud. They are amazing. So the first one was Billie Eilish and we talked a bit about her but um also albert einstein yeah so albert einstein believe it or not out of everyone in this bloody planet honestly albert einstein suffered from this syndrome towards the end of his life and before he died like a month before he's dead uh he confessed to his friend that i'm just gonna quote him he said the exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. Yeah. Imagine being Albert Einstein and think you're swindling people. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and then Howard Schultz, who is the um C who is or was, I'm not sure if he's still in office, but he was the CEO of Starbucks. Yes. Whoever doesn't know Starbucks nobody <laughs> but he had an interesting take on it and i mean he's probably he's been through imposter syndrome himself but he said that very few people whether you've actually been in that job before or not uh get to be in that seat and actually actually believe that today they are now qualified to be sitting as the ceo so he said they're not ever going to tell you that but it is true and and to to be fair if you think about it like it's a huge responsibility I, i'm not a ceo of any company but like i could imagine that if you're now suddenly ceo there would be a feeling that you need to i don't know fill in big boots or learn a lot more because you're now steering the helm of the ship you know 
Yeah. So we also have Michelle Obama, which is really shocking to be honest she says that she still has little imposter syndrome she is like that feeling of you shouldn't take me that seriously doesn't really go away and i find that really just really sweet that she shared it's amazing yeah the first lady being ex first lady being that vulnerable with people and sharing with them that look even i can go through it so you know you're not alone yeah and then Lupita Nyong'o. So if anyone's watched 12 Years a Slave, amazing actress, super, super talented. Um, again, she's, you know, confessed to having imposter syndrome. And she said, I go through imposter syndrome with every role, every role. Um, I think winning an Oscar may have, in fact, made it worse. <laughs> Not even gone and shown her that she's good at what she does, but actually made it worse. She said that now I've achieved this. I think, what am I going to do next? What do I strive for? Then I remembered that I didn't get into acting for the accolades. I got into it for the joy of telling stories. And that literally is a good segue into um, what uh, we want to talk about next. Yeah, because what she did is one of the big things that uh, we've found is a way to, you know, deal with your imposter syndrome because it goes down to getting back to your core values and being able to um, align again with your core values allows you to figure out why you got into this where you're directed and get over the, you know, the feeling of feeling like you're not appropriately there. So you have to ask yourself tough questions. I think if you find that you're going through this and you feel like a fraud, you have to ask yourself, what are my core beliefs? Um, or, you know, do I believe I'm worthy of love? Or why am I, you know, trying to achieve what I'm trying to achieve? And if you can get to that core sense of self or core like dialogue about yourself, that's a good starting place. Um, well, share your feelings, as we said, like it's so important to have a good network to talk about it with other people. Perhaps they have been through it themselves and then can give you like, I, I don't know, the inputs on how they like moved on or even how they see you so that they can help you, um, weirdly enough, rationalize whether or not your thoughts are irrational. Like seriously, given everything, um, you have achieved, does it really make sense to question your abilities or to question yourself like whether you deserve to be where you are or not like i feel like it's really important and with that remember that you are human like remember that you go through as we said before like difficult things and perfectionism sometimes is not attainable and if you like if there's always room for improvement and it shouldn't be scary you know it should be inspiring like okay i can do it like better i can do it again and and I'm going to do it better. Um, I think it's important to also acknowledge that. Okay, and then the next thing is definitely to, uh, for those of you, sorry, let me start again. And for those people that have imposter syndrome in like social settings where they feel like, you know, they're like a fraud and not good at um, either speaking to people the right way or the perfect way or whatever that might be. To be honest, I don't think there is a perfect way. Uh, But the major thing to do is stop comparing yourself and um, start trying to practice genuine engagement with people so when you're speaking like you know just speak to listen to be interested in what they're talking about you and like yeah like be genuinely interested in what the person across from you is talking about because that necess that oh sorry that undoubtedly will result in a genuine conversation where you know you're fully hearing them and you're you're genuinely engaging your thoughts rather than trying to think about this perfect way to say something. So the last thing would be stop fighting the feelings, right? Again, we haven't really been taught how to feel anything in our life, which is really sad. So 
if if the, the the feeling is really strong and it's really debilitating you, I think it's important to just acknowledge that if you need professional help, then go for it. Go talk to someone, and especially now that like every organization has like at least access to therapy for their employees, it's important to take advantage of those resources and just talk with people, explain whether. Just get a different perspective, you know? If, I'm sure that if you share to someone that you have just recently got a promotion after just working your ass off, I'm sorry for the expression, uh, then they're probably going to tell you like, hold on, doesn't that make sense? Like you work so hard for it. Why are you feeling this way? Like then from having a perception that is so foreign from yours, then maybe it gives you a little bit of clarity and it takes that blindfold from your eyes and you actually are able to appreciate how far you have come and how far you still have to, you know, go. And I think definitely if it's something that, you know, you keep thinking about a lot and it's like getting in the way of you trying to achieve better, like we said before, like go to a therapist, talk it through um, about where it comes from because there might be, like we said, something in the childhood that brings it about. So there might be a bit of unlearning to do. Um, But once you're able to accept that it's there, like we talked about you can use it to fuel yourself to get better you know you can use it to unravel your core beliefs uh whether or not you're true to them um and whether or not they align with where you want to go so if you feel like oh you know i'm not um you know doing as well or someone might call me out uh again like lupita said it's important just to like go through and try to figure out why are you in this in the first place what do you want to achieve from this and where does this align with what you feel as a core human being Mm. I think it's really important to do that 100% to go back to why you're doing things. Funny that you say that um, about how, so use it as fuel. Anthony Hopkins, he was actually, um, when when he was growing up, he was a troubled child. <laughs> he was really, I think he had like ADHD or something. Don't quote me on this, please. I remember listening to a podcast when they mentioned that he was, yeah, considered like one of those really difficult childs to like to take care of um in school and they never told he was set down with the director of the school and he was like told that he was never going to be successful <laughs> and he went and fueled himself with all of that and you know now he's like one of like the most iconic actors so it's amazing how some people use this as you know just the the strengthening like or they don't even let it like affect their their belief of what they want to do you know their direction in life it's like okay you think that but really no i think i'm going to do better well it's like proving it's funny because it's like i'll prove you wrong yeah and i love that because a lot of people are like oh you don't have to prove anything to anyone yes true but if it helps you to get wherever you want to and to develop a better identity for yourself then it happens yeah yeah whether or not that is or should be the fuel is again like people say you should only be like competing with yourself yes fair enough but there is like again like we talked about you know when you had the math teacher who told you wouldn't be good at it if you just accept that and like no that is someone's perception there is an element of i'm starting to learn and i don't know how this works but i'm starting to learn life is almost about perception literally like you build whatever perception you have in your head of what you want to do where you think you can go as lofty as it might seem but if you work towards that you will achieve it like all the amazing ladies we talk about 
that's literally what they did they're like okay you say i can't work as an engineer you say i can't do it but i think i'm just gonna go and do it anyway <laughs> and they end up being the most amazing things in their field because they just wanted to do it however they wanted to do it i guess the last thing i have to say on this i don't know about you is that there's just a, a like three simple things you can do if you have a feeling that you're a fraud in whatever field um the first thing is to focus on others which is like really counterintuitive kind of because you're trying to you would think that you know you have to introspect and go through whatever you're thinking but um weirdly enough focusing on others and helping others is found um to help you actually build confidence in your own skills the skills that you think are unreal or came from external factors but if you're able to help others out bring out the best in themselves or you know learn about whatever this field that you're working in whether it's engineering or um you know marketing or medicine if you help others out then that can help you build confidence that you know what it is that you've learned then assess your abilities so i guess i love this one because it's again like about fact checking i think it's so important to write down what you have learned what you have done and how how far you've come i don't know just do a timeline when you were this um this month last year and see how much you have changed how much you have learned how much uh, experience you've gained and in fact check everything um is it actually your judgment on all on the things that you listed is it realistic or is it just pretty harsh like are you being yeah. fair with yourself or not like you'll actually find out when you've listed and objectively list you know the just the things you've achieved no emotion attached just all the things that you've done say in the last year i'd like to do this i haven't done this to be honest myself but but um yeah write those things down and then like just assess whether or not they align with whatever you're saying to yourself because if you read that list then that's it. it there was no emotion attached to it that's objectively speaking what you've achieved and if you have a a, a dialogue in yourself saying oh you know you're not worth it the two can't exist together one has to negate the other you know you might find out that you're a little bit more capable than you thought and this is also applicable in any other aspects which is good the last one the last one take baby steps don't try to be a perfectionist <laughs> why because perfection does not exist exactly <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny but it doesn't and small rewards for taking action what is this how you said like give yourself rewards or actually acknowledge that what you've done is is good and you can like i don't know celebrate it by telling someone close to you i think celebration can be a word that can be interpreted in the sense like have a party i don't know why but it's actually not even like celebration can look like well done i did this or write it down like today i achieved this thing and or like just a minute of gratitude like look back last year to when you didn't have whatever you have achieved and be like like i've come a long way but i think realizing that that was something that you had been working for a long time that feeling for your brain even it's so positive and it helps you understand that yes you have achieved something and and that feeling is like priceless this is everything we wanted to share about imposter syndrome and obviously because this is just a healthy debate and yeah we're just sharing information that we have been researching 
about doesn't mean that's everything in but also things we've just noticed over time because like i've seen people who are like amazingly talented so freaking smart like albert <laughs> but like they've got so much and and every time like i speak to them they're just like oh no like i've fooled people or i didn't deserve that and you're like what the hell like how can you not see how brilliant you are or why won't you just even like just take the compliment at the end of the day again simon sinek was talking about that and he was like it's it's like it's like a gift if someone is giving a compliment it's like a gift and if someone gives you a gift you're not going to like shove it back in their face and be like no <laughs> you know yeah so you're essentially doing that you know it's funny because i do that to you you peanut and you shove it in my face and i don't like that don't attack me on a public pro- platform <laughs> i'm kidding i think um i'm really glad we could talk about this because it is something like i've looked at people around me and always wondered like where this comes from uh why you know they just can't see their value and now we know and we hope you know a little bit more <laughs> about yourself and the people around you so that's it definitely i feel like it's such an important topic and it's always you know just bringing us to that conclusion of how we have to be so attuned with our values our self-worth and you know our we're our, our best friends and our worst enemy so we have to just think about that and and be like what do i want to be today my best friend or my worst enemy (laughs)